Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we check in with Sean Reynolds, who's in Denver for the Stanley Cup Final. And also, Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com is in Ottawa. As we preview Red Blacks versus Bombers on the podcast. With... Sportsnet's Sean Reynolds, who is there covering the Stanley Cup final. Sean, first of all, let's talk about last night's game. What was it like being in the building? It looked like it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. I'll tell you, I I always kind of uh, judge every playoff building that I go into, and it's probably not fair to do so, but by the crowd's reaction the first time the Jets made it back to the playoffs in 2015, and I still say to this day that the peak intensity uh, of the, the MTS center at the time. Um, I, I've never seen anything like that before. And so I, I had thought to myself, starting out, uh, you know, they had a decent start. And I was like, you know, it's no 2015, but it, it was noted online. The one thing about that avalanche crowd that I think, you know, has, has been missing for a while in Winnipeg is they go up 3-1. Everyone's happy. Of course you are. Your team is, looks like they're running away with this game. And then they blow it and it's tied 3-3. And that building just does not give up. Like the joy level is high. Everyone, there seems to be a lot of belief. Uh, it, 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 it seems like a crowd that just, no matter what is happening, they're going to give it their all for their team. And boy, did they ever do that last night. It was a great atmosphere. Well, they've seen so many times, Sean, that their team, if doesn't matter if they're down, if they're trailing, they could score goals in bunches and come back and win the game. So they had full faith that they were going to get that goal. It comes from Andre Burakovsky early in the overtime, as far as opening games to the Stanley Cup Finals concerned, you got to be pretty happy if you're the NHL with the product that was on the ice. Oh, man. it's Listen, I, I get uh, excited every time a Canadian team makes the finals because, listen, it's about time, you know, 1993. I remember that. A lot of hockey fans won't, nor should they. That's a long time ago. But the Cup needs to come back to Canada. So in a year like last season, when the Montreal Canadiens make it to the final. You know, I'm excited for that possibility. But the crazy thing, Christian, and you'll know this, is it's in all sports, essentially, it's somewhat of a rare thing for basically the two best teams to make it to the championship final. And that's what we've seen here this season. The Colorado Avalanche are a team that, you know, some of us expected to arrive in the years past, but they arrived this year. They're the best team over the course of the regular season, over the last three years, clearly the Tampa Bay Lightning are the best team in the league in the playoffs over the last couple of years. We really do have a full-on best-on-best matchup going here, and I thought that game one absolutely reflected that. I mean, the skill level was off the charts. The speed was really high. You touched on Colorado's ability to you know, put up goals in bunches, and then we see Tampa's ability to score their way back into games. Then you see both teams able to clamp it down and play defensive hockey as the game went on. Like These two teams are able to do everything. They have no holes in their lineup. As you said, the NHL would be ecstatic with this because we are seeing the best of the best, and they are operating at a level that it expresses that they are the best of the best. Going into this series, the clear edge in goaltending went to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, Colorado hasn't had to face a murderer's row of good goaltenders. They did not have to face UC Soros in round one. Jordan Biddington got hurt in round two, and who knows what would have happened. The Blues were in that series really until Biddington got hurt, and Billy Huso just couldn't live up to it. And then Mike Smith kind of fell apart in round three. Vasilevsky's world above those teams. 
He's not been good in game one in this postseason, but he's 11 and three with a 190 goals against average and 939 save percentage in games two through seven. So fair to say we should expect a stingier game two on Saturday night. You know, I, I'm not sure what to take away from this. The one thing I'll say about this is I, I think what you saw last night was, was a Tampa team that came out and they weren't ready to skate with that Colorado team. I don't think a lot of teams are Christian. So I'm not surprised to see them r- run away with it like that. But what I'm also not surprised about is that when, when Tampa needed to get back into the game, they up their risk profile and they just go score their way back into the game. I've said it before this, I don't expect a lot of, and this is, we've seen a lot of this from Tampa in the last couple of years, when they want to kind of clamp down on a series, they just get these suffocating two, one games where they shut down pass or pass lanes. And more importantly, they shut down shooting lanes. And as good as Vasilevsky is, the defense just doesn't let a lot of quality shots through. I'd said going into this, and I think we saw a little bit of that last night. They had some success against Colorado doing that, but I just think Colorado is too good to expect to do that. I think Colorado is too good of a team to expect that they're going to win a number of games 2-1, 1-0 in this series. Like we've seen Tampa do, not just earlier these playoffs, but over the course of the last two playoffs. I think it's, it's what makes this an interesting matchup, though, because both these teams can play it either way if they need to. I just honestly think that Colorado is too good to be kept off the board. I don't see a low-scoring grinding affair. If it does happen, I think it's going to happen here or there. But the majority of this series, I think the skill is really going to show through. Going into this series, who did you have favored, and has that changed after one game? Yeah, not at all. I mean, I, I had Colorado winning in six. Um, I had them winning the Stanley Cup at the beginning of the year. I just I don't see a lot of holes. The interesting part about this, Christian, you know, we were sitting, uh, you know, a- after kind of the t- two teams left today, we were watching Nazem Kadri came out on the ice, uh, and Andrew Cogliano was out there as well. Uh, Kadri was taking shots. I think there's a chance that he may get back into this series in around game three or four. It looks to me like Andrew Cogliano is a little bit further out. But Andrew Cogliano is a guy that, in covering the playoffs over the last couple of years, he's one of those guys that any team that he's on, I look and I think that team has a chance with him there just because he's such a good locker room guy and he's so good at shutting other teams down. He's, just, he's a winner. He's one of these guys. And we've seen what Kadri has been doing. I'll, I'll say this. If I'm right and the Colorado Avalanche go on to win this, it's pretty interesting to actually say, like, look, Sam Girard got injured and he's out. This is a phenomenal defenseman out of the lineup that they've lost. Nazem Kadri was their leading scorer for the bulk of this last, last regular season here. And Cogliano, like I said, is a straight-up winner. If they knock off this Tampa Bay Lightning team, which I say already is a legendary team in the history of the NHL, and they do it, losing or sorry not losing but missing those three players for a good chunk of this final that is an astounding expression of just how deep and talented a roster that joe Sackick has been able to assemble here in colorado conversely if there's a team that's going to come back from any kind of deficit we saw it last round with tampa bay finally losing consecutive games in the postseason and then all they did after that was win four straight (laughs) though they yeah. were down in game three, two, nothing. And they got the winning goal with less than a minute to go. It goes to overtime. Who knows what happens, but this is a team that's kind of seen it all. And I think that's why a lot of people have them to win the series. Not because they're better than Colorado, because I think on paper, 
Colorado's just the most talented team in the NHL. But that yeah. experience is just so hard to overlook. Yeah, you, listen, and, and it's not just experience, it's coaching. And I, I'll give John Cooper the credit with this. You've seen that, that uh, like, their backs were against the wall. They were in trouble against Toronto, and they got better as that series went on. They came out with a game plan that the best team during the regular season and, and an almost impossible team to shut down uh, defensively in the Florida Panthers, they came up with a game plan that, that Florida never, ever figured out. And then, to your point, they fall in an early hole, a big hole, against the New York uh, Rangers, and then they inexorably take that series over. What I see when I see that is a coach that has figured out the other team and a group of players that know how to execute their coaches. Uh, plan and, and that's the one thing that is so tricky about the playoffs Christian I think it's a, it's a good example uh, Winnipeg is a good example in 2018 like I, I'm a big believer that in that series against Vegas Vegas came out in the first game they saw what the Jets had the Jets kind of steamrolled them in that first game and they came out with a plan after that that the Jets never were able to get on top of and then all of a sudden a team like the Jets that year who looked like they couldn't lose two straight games loses four straight games to end the season. This is what happens in the playoffs. If you get a coach that can figure out the other team and they don't have an answer, all of a sudden a team that looks way better than another team can get you know, taken out of the playoffs and it can happen fast. So that's what everyone's waiting for because John Cooper did it against the Leafs. He did it against the New York Rangers. So what's the move? Is he going to be able to figure out Jared Bednar and his system? You know, it's going to be tough because the Colorado Islands are just so deep. And I do think one thing we haven't talked about is just how good they are on the back end. And it's easy to shut offenses down. But when your offenses are your defense jumping in the way that this Colorado team does so dynamically, that's a tough task. But that's what we're waiting on. Next move, we've seen the opening salvo by Colorado. Need to see how Tampa is going to respond to this because they've shown for a long time now that they know exactly how to respond and get to the top. You a big fan of Blink One Eighty Two back in the day? <laughs> I was not, but boy, oh boy, it was the and maybe the most interesting part about that. And I don't even know his name. This will tell you how much I'm a fan. But one of the three members of Blink One Eighty Two uh, shot something, so they bring him up on the jumbotron, and he gets the crowd pumped up and ready to sing that song. But you can see just how much it means to him that that Colorado crowd has adopted that song. But this is one of those experiences, Christian, uh, when you go into certain buildings. I've been uh, to Fenway when they sing Sweet Caroline. There's certain things that crowds can kind of do to set themselves apart from other crowds. That's one of those things. That was a really neat moment, and I can tell you this right now. Every once in a while, there are certain things that I experience in doing this job in different places that kind of click in your head. I remember uh, in Vegas, uh, they played Hunka Hunka Burning Love. Uh, by Vegas and you know it's not just Elvis it's Vegas era Elvis they played that there and I felt like the roof was going to explode off that building this is another one of those kind of moments a unique thing to this crowd in Colorado it's a really cool thing and definitely one of those things that's going to stick in my mind for years to come well Sean appreciate your time tonight thanks for this and enjoy the Stanley Cup final you bet thanks for the call keep previewing Tomorrow night's game between the Blue Bombers and Red Blacks with friend of the show, Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com. Ed, welcome to the show tonight. I asked Derek Taylor this on last night's show about the atmosphere of games in Ottawa. Where does it ring for you across the CFL? 
That's a good question, Christian. To be right up there, you know, um, the building is smaller. It, it seats about uh, 24,000. And they announced just this afternoon that there are about, there's 2,500 uh, tickets left. So they're pretty proud of that. It can get loud. Um, it's such a picturesque location. They've done a really good job of fixing it up since I first started coming here in the mid 90s or early 90s. Uh, when it was pretty, uh, it was starting to get pretty decrepit, but the area has just blossomed. It's it's fun in that regard. Lots of uh, bars and restaurants around, and people really like to get into the the tailgating and stuff before the game. They've done a really good job of kind of capturing that important younger demographic here in the in the nation's capital. And uh, I mean, it's not as good, in my opinion, as as Winnipeg or Saskatchewan, but. Those two places are, in my opinion, far and away better than anybody else. Although, you got to give credit to to what happened in BC last week. That's for sure. Absolutely. So, looking at uh, tomorrow night's rematch, what were your takeaways from Week One from Winnipeg's point of view, and then Ottawa as well? Okay, from from Ottawa's point of view, I, first I, I would say. If I'm a member of the Red Blacks, I'm looking at it as a lost opportunity. Um, you know, they they left some points on the board. They they did have a lead in the fourth quarter, they, and they couldn't finish. And and I know a lot of people will say, uh, you know, that there's been so many changes in in Ottawa, and they've got you know they're trying to rebuild a team that was one of the worst in the league last year. But you know, they had the defending two-time defending Grey Cup champs up against the ropes and couldn't deliver a, a knockout punch. And and so that's what I would look at from them. I thought they played really well and just couldn't finish. From a Winnipeg perspective, it's funny, isn't it? In the, in the last week, we've heard so many, uh, you know, we got to look in the, ourselves in the mirror. We weren't physical enough. We, you know, had some hard questions. And this is after a win and a pretty dramatic comeback, too. Um, that just says something of the standard that the Bombers have set for themselves. And, and you know, I, I think that they know they will be a lot better tomorrow night. Uh, I think they want to be a lot more physical, especially at the line of scrimmage. And so I'm expecting a, another sort of street fight, but I'm expecting more from the Bombers. Let's put it that way. As we heard from uh, Willie Jefferson earlier in the show, you were there in Ottawa today to hear mm-hmm. and talk to him. He thought there might be a little bit of rust in that week one game against Ottawa. And Ottawa certainly had a little bit tougher time in the second half moving the ball. But do you think there's merit to that? And the Bombers will look more crisp tomorrow? I think there is merit to that, Christian. And part of it is that a lot of the guys were held out of the preseason. And and it's just sort of that that debate about, you know, you'd hate to see one of your regulars, you know, get hurt in in the in a preseason game or roll an ankle even and be on the shelf for a couple of weeks. So th- that's sort of the debate or the, the fine line you, you, you balance uh, when you make those decisions. And I, I thought, I won't want to say they were rusty, but you, you know, as much as you practice and, and, you know, they don't practice a lot in pads anymore. I don't think that you, you can prepare yourself for the physical violence that happens on, on game day. And I think the bombers kind of, they needed that last week, and so to get you know to get all that out of the way in the first game and get a W was pretty important because we would be certainly looking at what happened last week a lot differently if they hadn't rallied to win. On that note, the Bombers they escape with a victory because Drew Brown comes in out of nowhere and completes a few passes. But for the Bombers now, knowing that they maybe got away with one, does that maybe free them up a bit going into tomorrow night's game? 
You know, that question came up a couple of times. And, uh, you know, and were the, did the Bombers, were they lucky to win? You know, Buck Pierce was asked that yesterday. Um, and the, the answer I keep getting from guys, including from Zach Claros, is that football is hard, man. It's hard to win in this league. And so um, maybe it says, again, says something about the expectations we have for this team. But um, I, I think that the Bombers, I do think the Bombers will be a lot better tomorrow. Uh, I, I, this is such a veteran squad with so many guys back. Uh, I, I just think that, you know, sometimes you need one to to kind of get the, in the a rhythm again. And, that, and that's what we saw last week. As the game went on, I thought the Bombers got a lot better, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, when it mattered most in the fourth quarter, they kind of locked it down and, and helped get this team a win. What do you think of the secondary going into tomorrow night's game? Because Jeremiah Mazzoli, a number of times in week one, was able to hit deep plays, often on the first play of a drive, where they decided to just go deep and, and they got burned a few times. I think Winston Rose especially did. Maybe he was uh, nursing that uh, ankle foot injury more than we first thought going into the game. But how much chip is on the shoulder of that unit and perhaps Rose specifically to be better this week? Right. Really good question. You know, I did some a little bit of research here, not to the level that Derek does, but uh, the, the last week, Jeremiah Mazzoli was 12 of 17 for 246 yards on just on first down passes. So that's wow. sort of what you were alluding to. Christian, those are shocking numbers against the defense as stout as Winnipeg's has been over the last couple of years. And I talked to Jordan Younger yesterday, the, the defensive backs coach, and he credited uh, the, the the scheme that Paul Police put together for Ottawa's offense. And he really salute, saluted uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli, their quarterback, because he's such an unorthodox quarterback and the way he can get out of the pocket and, and the way his arm just, you know, he, he has a lot of Pat Mahomes in him and that he can throw sidearms and go over the top and it's hard for a defense to read him. As for the Winnipeg secondary, look, there look, there were three different faces back there last week in, in Taekwon Glass, um, Malcolm Thompson at safety and Rose does, you know, he, he comes back uh, but he, you know, he came back in October of last year. Donald Rutledge Jr. was a new face too, playing the dime spot. I, I expect those guys to be way better. And and part of that is that Jackson Jeffco comes back to the defensive line and, and him and Willie Jefferson are the two best defensive ends in the league. They'll put some pressure on Mazzoli. And as specifically to Rose, I, he was, uh, he admitted after the game and he said again this week that he, he thought, you know, maybe his eyes uh, led him astray a couple of times in that game last week. He was trying to make plays on the ball, got caught on a couple of double moves on certain pass routes. And, uh, I mean, he was an all-star in 20, uh, 2019 for a reason. I expect him to have a huge bounce back uh, tomorrow night. On the note of Jackson Jeffcoat, how much does that change the night for Jeremiah Mazzoli, in your opinion? Uh, it could change it dramatically. Uh, Mazzoli, again, is is so adept at moving around the pocket. He doesn't necessarily run as much as he used to, but what he does really well is he'll step up into the pocket. He'll step sideways. He'll he, he'll throw while even running to his left. And those are the kind of things that if you're a, a defensive end, you can help keep him in the pocket. And if you can put him on the ground, as Willie Jefferson said a couple times today, 
I think you you change the way he he does things. You know, maybe he gets a little bit uncomfortable in the pocket. That's what every defensive line wants to do. But we saw it even in the Great Cup last year when Mazzoli came into the game after Dane Evans got hurt. He's got such a quick release. And he can get the ball out in a hurry. And if the Bombers can't get to him, you need people like Jeffcoat and Jefferson, who are really tall with those giant arms, too. They can change throwing lanes. And so it'll be important that if they can't get to him in a hurry, that they're at least making him squirm a bit back there. Do you think we're going to see better running tomorrow? Because neither team ran the ball really at all in week one. That's a good question. You know, Ottawa is missing William Powell, who is such a really good back for them, uh, or came from Saskatchewan but and had played in Ottawa before. He could change things, but he won't be uh, playing tomorrow. Uh, I expect Winnipeg to be better. Their numbers uh, rushing were not very good last week. Um, and, and I think it's part of what this team has built such an identity around is pounding the football and pounding the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively. I think those guys are a little ticked off about what happened last week with the run game. They were really good in pass protection, I thought, but they got to attack the line of scrimmage again. And then it's up to Brady and Johnny Augustine, not just to hit the holes, but sometimes be patient and wait for those, those holes to develop in front of them. We might see some other wrinkles too, because as Zach Claris wasn't giving away any hints today, but he did say there's other ways to use the running backs or other ways to attack the line of scrimmage and be more productive on first down. That's one of the things that really hurt them last week is that they were in second along an awful lot last Friday. And that really limits your playbook. It's going to be weird to see Andrew Harrison in Argos Jersey tonight. It really will look you know, we've kind of been prepared for this for a while, right? Since, uh, since February when he signed down there, but uh, even seeing pictures from the start of training camp when he's pulling on that blue helmet and that double blue Jersey, it, it's one of those ones. Sometimes it just doesn't look right. I know he began his career with the BC lions, but he was such a fixture with the blue bombers. It is going to be really weird to see him in another uniform. <clears throat> and excuse me. I think a lot of people are hoping he does really well, except, uh, on uh, that game in a couple of weeks when Winnipeg plays in Toronto, uh, you know, I, I, Andrew Harris is a future hall of famer and I hope he gobbles it up for the Argos this year. I'll, I'll get you out of here on this. Well, if you're the bombers and you haven't played Ottawa in, you know, a few years, I know they downplayed the whole, we haven't seen them in a while thing, but to play them now twice in two weeks and then they're out of your system for the whole season. Do you think it, it's good or bad to just play them back to back? I think it's actually, here's what, here's a theory. Uh, uh, and Derek Taylor is with me on this. Ottawa is going to be really good this year. In fact, there's a lot of people that think that they could challenge for first in the East division. So maybe to get them early when they're still, I mean, there's so many changes there. If you get them back to back early in the year, while they're still trying to get their chemistry, so to speak, you might be ahead of the pack there. And, and I think, uh, you know, the Blue Bombers got got a win last week. You could call it winning ugly, but they got it done. And now, you know, you play them again, and, and you're right. You get you get them out of your system, and as your your yourself are getting better, uh, Ottawa, I predict, will be an awful lot better in October and November than they are right now. So, uh, I'm I don't think that uh, Winnipeg minds getting them this early while they're still trying to build something here. I'm with you on that theory as well. So you can uh, toss my hat in that ring. Ed, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this. And uh, we'll hear you on the pregame show tomorrow night. Right on, Christian. Thanks for having me on, man. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more 
every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect.